The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We welcome our online listeners uh, this morning, this afternoon, or this evening, whenever you are listening to this podcast. This is a very exciting series that we are going through on money, but I want to challenge each of us to remember something. Whenever you hear the term money, finances, currency, dollars, euros, whatever your currency is, I want you to immediately replace it with the word heart. So if you're hearing the news, secular news, and they're talking about the world's state of the heart, oh, excuse me, the world's state of finances, just put the term heart and you'll see things from a completely different perspective. For the World Council of the Heart, The G20 focusing its efforts this week on the heart. But see, that is not the way that our minds are trained. When we hear the term finances, we usually think of business. God does not. The scriptures tell us that for you will know where a man's heart is by looking into his wallet. For where a man's treasures are is where his heart is. So that's why we're doing this series and calling it Identity Actually Does Matter in Finances. And this is number 63, and the title is Multi-Generational Giving. Next week, we're starting an interesting mini-series underneath this series called The 16 Lies of the Antichrist. It's going to be fun, at least for me. Today might be a little challenging for those of you who have put your parents in nursing homes. Today might be a little challenging for those of you who treat elderly people like they are all used up. Last night at 10.15, I'm sitting on the toilet reading in World Magazine how euthanasia was legalized in Europe in 2014. You say, well, I thought it was already legal. It was. For five years. For elderly people. Now they legalized it for children. In other words, if one of you kids have got some kind of handicap, maybe you're without an arm, maybe you're a little mentally slow, whatever that means, your parents can have you put to death by a little pink pill. You say, America will never suffer that. It's already being talked about. So this is a very important subject to uh, me. I have huge issues on this one. Because it strongly affects the, this generation's attitude toward authority. Someone please read for us Proverbs twenty-eight, twenty-two, And let's see what 
the wisest man that ever lived had to say about this. Now, I'm telling you, I, I totally get why that the modern psychologist labeled Solomon a schizophrenic. I really do get that. I was a part of a student uh, project in Colorado to study certain Bible characters that they gave to us and to take them through the psychological testing scores from our perspective and see how they turned out on the other side. And Solomon was one of the ones that turned out with the label of being schizophrenic. It's a term that they don't use anymore. The FDA has literally wiped it out of their book. Why would they do that? Why would they shift to a term called bipolarism? Not as offensive. I mean, we even say the term schizophrenic. It really kind of sounds like they're a serial killer or something, you know? Whereas bipolarism, well, yeah, it's kind of like, that sounds so nice, kind of. What polar end are you on today? The reason why they had to make the switch is because schizophrenia had to be directly associated with a mental illness label. Bipolarism, anyone can have. If their chemicals are off balance. Thus, being able to do pharmacia with you is to give you a drug to balance your chemistry. Oh, your hormones could throw it off or your... You know, just uh, stress could throw it off and whatever. So it puts everyone in the category of receiving a pill. Why would they want everyone to be okay with a pill? I just told you. There's a pill. Another thing I read last night at 9.15 on the toilet. Is the FDA has approved... The pill, the after, the day after pill to be sold over the counter without parental permission. So anyone, eight years old, 18 years old could walk in and buy the over the counter, the day after abortion pill. Their parents would never know. You see, the world needs pharmacia. It will all be done with a pill in the end. Pharmacia means what? I know we get the word pharmacy from it, but what is the Greek word? Sorcery. Sorcery. Witchcraft. Demonic doctrine. Our whole world is based on pharmacia. So, what does all that have to do with this verse? Tons! For uh, It takes an evil eye to chase down wealth. And if you meet a Christian who is just obsessed about making money, you don't label them you're going to hell, you can't go past go or collect 200 bucks, but you certainly better watch them very carefully. And what's the rest of that verse? Yeah, poverty. Oh, what? 
That didn't even make sense, does it? Is it Solomon really is proving he's schizophrenic. Excuse me, bipolar. His chemical system is off. Well, if you don't believe that the word of God is God's authoritative word and it's actually God speaking it into the thoughts of a man and it comes out as words to a piece of paper, if you, if you really believe that the word of God is the authoritative words of God, then you're calling God schizophrenic. Ah, Satan's now accomplished his mission with wealth. You see, those who pursue wealth end up in poverty. They certainly end up as always wanting more, wanting more, wanting more. Our flesh always wants more. It's never satisfied. Now let's uh, bring this into our message for today. Number 63, finances and multi-generational giving. Here's our opening paragraph. It says, there is a plan of economy presented in the Bible that is not influenced by recession, depression, uh, topless inflation, or the value of global dollar. It is God's financial plan and economy that is of utmost importance. It involves the control and management of all the affairs of mankind, including man's choices on how to spend his money. God's plan of spending has very little to do with the benefits here on earth, but rather building up eternal weight of glory. And his heavenly bank account is exactly what our mind should be focused on. Paul is the one that made this statement. For what you do here on earth is building up eternal weight of glory. There's 3,800 plus references to us receiving rewards in heaven. Why is there so many references? Because money is God's testing tool to find out where people are in their eternal perspective with God. So what is done unto the least of these, my brethren, is done unto him. Whatever it is you do unto him, you call him schizophrenic, you call him non-authentic, you call him non-authoritative, you call him these things because you're saying it to these leaders, you're saying it to God. So go ahead and call Solomon schizophrenic. And you are ultimately calling Christ schizophrenic and how you offend Christ will bring the judgment forward from his daddy. Someday. Kind of sheds a different light on this, doesn't it? At least it should. So when Paul talks about eternal weight of glory, you need to understand that every word that proceeds out of your mouth is recorded in the book of life. It will be dealt with someday. Either by washing it off the page through the blood of Jesus Christ or by condemning you. So when you look at your brother and say, I hate you, it's recorded. If you steal something and you think the only person who saw it is you, you're wrong. It's recorded. If you give without the, your right hand even knowing that you've given to someone 
and you think it's just you that knows that you're giving, you're wrong. It's built eternal weight of glory. There's actually weight on the justice scales. Every single time you give on earth, it is putting weight, eternal weights in heaven. And your reward will be associated with the amount of weight on that justice scale. That's what's being communicated. You say, well, that's performance living. Really? I give because Christ said so in me. But if I give because I want to, it's not going on as eternal weight of glory. Won't get measured. Whenever you hear Christ in your thoughts to do something, you're getting eternal weight of glory when you do it. And that is even walking into a room and hearing the Spirit of the Lord in your mind and being obedient immediately. Not stick it in your purse and say, well, I'll talk to them next week. Eternal weight of glory is huge. You do have a bank account in heaven. In the end, God's plan actually reconciles with all the earth's treasures, resources, capacities, as well as man's role in stewarding each of them. This must include the eternal purpose of the mind of God as he created in all of us who are truly indwelt. The mind of Christ actually is inside the indwelt believer. So hearing his mind in us is rather important. So when you have this obedient Christian and they're doing all the right things, if you're just thinking they're a great Christian, well, maybe they are a great Christ follower. But see, I don't leave it there. I give them an assignment. I want to find out if they're really obedient. And the way you find out if someone's really obedient to Christ is to see if they're obedient to a man. You say, there's something wrong with what you just said. Really? Someone want to quote from me? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18? Servants, be submissive to your... Not only to those who are good and... But to those who are... For this finds favor in... If a man bears up under suffering unjustly. That's the test. You want God's favor? You want his eternal weight? You want some weight on that scale? Let's see if you can do what a man asks you to do. Oh yeah, it's easy to say, I listened to God. I had devotions this morning. He told me to read the Bible. So, I talk to people who are going to hell every day that read the Bible. They're great scholars. Mary, tell us what these great scholars who do translations, there's only four primary groups of translators in the world today, but let's, let's just hear a news thing that Mary heard this morning. Um, Wycliffe, Bible translators, and they, he listened 
two others. Um, they have taken the name of, they have taken Jesus out of the Bible 91 times so that they can have a Bible for Muslims because it's offensive to Muslims. So, uh, Jesus is the name of Jesus. So they're using that Bible to reach Muslims. Now these are translators. And there's not one person in this room, there's not one person, well, I can't say that because I talked to some of these guys, but I know there's not one person in this room that can list me more than two people on those four groups of translators. You don't even know who these people are. So to be put on a committee that deals with the committee, the translators of the NIV, I was like, yes. No, I didn't need 10 hours to pray about it. Yes, I'll be on that, that committee to challenge these guys. Do you realize that we actually have liars translating the word today? Liars, thieves, demonic doctrine-minded men and women. And you're going to go out and buy a brand new Bible when yours wears out. And you will have no clue that Jesus has been removed from those scriptures. They don't make that public. Same thing happened with the NIV gender friendly. The, your average pastor has no clue what they did that to that translation. They have no clue. They just know that they need a new Bible. And they're going out and buying a leather bound NIV Bible. They have no clue what these people did to it. That is a stupid person. Now that's offensive to some, but you, you guys already know my definition of stupid. It's the pictorial Hebrew definition of knowing the truth and not applying it. That's what stupidity is. In fact, it was one of our great respected leaders that referred to some of us as stupid shepherds. It is a biblical term. It's a Hebrew term. Stupid shepherds is someone who actually knows the truth, but they compromise it so they don't offend someone for the purpose of relationship. That is our church today. Yeah, it's a problem. What does the term multi-generational mean to you as a listener? Even if you're listening online, I would really like to have you text me right now. 602-292-2982. Text me the answer to this. What does the term multi-generational mean to you? What does it mean to you guys? Okay, so that pretty much summarizes it because the commission that's given to us, particularly in the Old Testament, and that is four generations. He even says that in respect to the effects of sin. affects four generations. So it is the generation you're living, you, the generation above you, authoritative parents, and it is you, your children and your grandchildren. And then every generation you talk to, you can do that same layering. So the gospel is always being covered in every single generation. 
So if you were in the enemy's camp and wanted want to sit on his advisory council, what you would want to do is to destroy the term, destroy the truth, destroy the principles that are associated with multi-generational. Are you with me? To get every generation thinking they're the generation. Satan's accomplished his mission. Everyone becomes independent, makes their own decisions of what they will believe and teach theologically in their generation. What's best for our culture today? Open your eyes and look around this week because that is the church of today. Everyone interpreting what they believe the word is saying. Multi-generational giving, man's economy system collapsed because he has been selfish in his spending and has failed to include in his economic principles those matters vital to the kingdom of God. Like the four purposes of money, which is obviously what we're going through. Man's greatest error in handling money is that he has not reckoned with the responsibilities that God of the universe the one who made all these resources, they haven't reconciled with what he says is important. It, let's just take that one item. Someone who fears that no one's going to take care of them when they get to a certain age. There's no one there for them. What are they going to do? They'll break every rule in the book to make sure that they... Build a little cushion, nest egg. So that when they can't work anymore, there's something to draw upon to take care of them because they have no family to take care of them. Do you see how it works? And then when you talk to that person, they say, well, what is the solution here? Well, <laughs> not sure I got one for you. Because I can't run to the church and be taken care of by the church. So therefore, they have to start insurance packages. Insurance packages started when the church fell down on the job of paying for the medical needs of the people attending the church. That's when it started. So, you got to make sure you have insurance. And you got to make sure you have a savings account. You got to make sure you have investments. Why? Because there's no one going to be there for you at the end. In fact, they'll probably stick you in a nursing home when you get a little too crouchety. They don't want to deal with them. Crabby grandma. And that's the way we live today. Why? Because the burden of our children is so financially challenging because they have over a half a million dollars worth of debt. With their house and their cars and their... You see what I'm saying? Since they didn't live a debt-free life, there's no way they could take care of those that they love. Impossible. We have a huge problem on our hands, folks. This multi-generational thing is a huge challenge. I think we should invent a little pink pill and get our parents to take it when they get to a certain age and just kind of get them out of the way. Because they are just going to drain us spiritually, psychologically, and physically.
Now this is one thing I am going to say. I'll sign my name to it. I believe the day is coming very, very soon where what just happened in Europe is going to happen in America. Our parents are annoying. I never liked them when I was growing up with them, and I certainly don't like them today. Thus, I'm not going to listen to them. I'm not going to take counsel from them. And that's our world. Talk to your average old person. Yeah, they're crabby. There might be a reason. No one's listening to them. Back in the Hebrew days, you would never throw your greatest investment out, out the window. Grandpa, the patriarch, that's where all the wisdom is. They've already seen four generations come and go. The other big mistake is that mankind does not reckon his responsibility to humankind, marriages, family, community, state, nation, and then the world. Instead, he has trafficked his available resources to his immediate advantage and then has the gall to sign the name of Christ to his reasons of insanity. And you really cannot, you cannot grow a person who has signed Christ's name to something. You can't. Can you imagine dealing with someone who says, God told me to divorce him? What do you do with that? God's a liar. I'm, I'm sorry, God's a liar. Because in here it says that you're not. Well, there's nothing you can do with that. So people know that, so they sign Christ's name to these radical, crazy doctrines. There's nothing you can do with it. The person has put themselves in a position to be undiscipled. You cannot impart truth to someone who signs Christ's name to something. So that's why we better make sure Christ will sign his name to what we're saying. And as you hopefully know, he only signs his name to his father's documented truth. That's why he had to start studying it at eight years of age. Even God, in the form of his son, had to study the scriptures. To show himself approved to handle accurately the word of truth. The result has been the destruction of resources necessary for the whole family of God to live in, through, and for. So money is supposed to confirm direction in the specific area of multi-generational family giving. And so God specifically calls each believer to care for his fellow Christians before giving outside of his fellowship. The way most Christian churches function is to suffer their own congregation by allowing their own members to go hungry while at the same time spending the lion's share of the offering on staff benefits, programs, etc., etc., etc. That's what's happened. We're running our churches the way the country runs. I was listening to a news a cast of something that was going on in Syria this week and how much money our present administration poured into an offense there. 
I just did a quick calculation in my mind. And I went, wow, if we took just that money invested into a Muslim group that hates Christians, hates our country, and spent it on the poor in this country. And then I started thinking about how much money we pour into other countries, literally putting money in the hands of our enemy who hates us. And the reason why we do that, if you don't know, is so they don't get upset at us. So they don't blow up more buildings. It's the same lie we function with as I shared earlier today, and that is we choose relationship over truth. And if you just scooped up the money we're giving to our enemy and put it into a basket or an account in America and started paying for the poverty-stricken needs that are in our communities today, we wouldn't even have a need. Just from the money we give to our enemy in military expenses. You know how much one drone cost? You start adding it up. I can go a long way being the steward of a billion dollars and helping people. A long way. Just in a billion. There's a lot more than that going to our enemy. You don't even know about it. We have it all backwards. We're not taking care of our own. If America took care of their own first and the churches took care of their own first before they give to foreign missions... He said, that, no, that's not right. Yes, it is right. Why, why would you give to a foreign country helping someone with clothing and good water when they have people in their congregation that have had their utilities turned off? There's something wrong with that picture. I have people that beg for money from me and I say, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you money until local needs are taken care of. Then we go to, to missions, local missions. So if you do that with the gospel, it really begins to make sense. Start in your own room. Start in your own neighborhood. Start in your own state. Start in your own nation. Start in other nations. Now a church that does that, and there's a lot of them that do it that way, in that order, are functioning the way the Bible says you're supposed to function. So what does Christian oneness look like? It is hearing the voice of God. Hey, I want you to, to give a little labor to such and such a person. That's what it is. And then you put two or three people together who actually listen to the mind of Christ in each other. Things multiply very quickly. Just like money. See, a financer or an investor knows that if you just take dollars from different people and you put it in the right environment, it's going to multiply. And they get richer. That's the principle that is supposed to be functioning in the church with oneness within the church. So here's our principles for today. Christian oneness is back when the New Testament church was being formed, the Jews had no social dealings with the local Gentiles. Good reason for that. God's remedy to this 
dilemma was to set forth a severe famine, which caused many Jewish Christians to suffer. The result is Paul challenged every Christian Gentile church to collect an offering for his Jewish brothers and sisters. God used this offering to dissolve the spiritual, psychological, and physical barriers that had been built out of ignorance. As respected, as expected, God's plan of economy equally worked miraculously. Paul later shared the dynamics of this happening to the Corinthian church. And there's a principle in the Old Testament in Proverbs that says something about burning coals. Do you guys remember how that verse goes? By giving, you're heaping burning coals on your enemy. So a priority for God is actually giving to the people you don't want to give to. There's a natural humility that starts to take place when you give anyway, no matter what it is. If you pull the giving habit back, pride enters in. So it's the opposite of humility. You don't give, pride fills the person. Pride fills the room. Pride fills the church. Pride fills the nation. Pride. You see, the reason why our nation cannot take all of these billions and billions of dollars that we give to all these other countries is because we are afraid we will not be the superpower anymore. The big banker. We're not. So to take care of our own and before we take care of other nations, would actually communicate to other nations, wow, they really do know how to take care of their people. I want to sign up to be a part of that country. But that is not how we function. So they lie, steal, and cheat to connive ways of getting money out of America. So now a minister of a tiny little ministry in Sterling, Kansas, is viewed as being mega wealthy. And I'm like, no, you need to pray that we get some money, not get a salary, but that we have a little bit of money for part of our salary so we can pay our bills. And, and I'm sorry, they don't get it. They just don't get that. All they need to do is see a picture of your house and they'll, they'll, they'll think that you're wealthy. What America has done with their money has created an illusion on the entire world and how they view America. And now we're faced with that dilemma. Principle number two, where there is greed. We need to demonstrate the indwelling life of Christ. But you know, where there is greed, there's going to be war. And it is impossible to, to pursue peace with all men when one party is seeking to care for its own needs according to advancing themselves. It's not really caring for the needs because your people have needs. It is for selfish reasons. The confusion and the, the uh, consternation, is that the right word I wanted to use? Oh well. The uh, confusion among the global society are but a magnification of what is going on in the hearts of the people who live within those boundaries. And that's the idea of whatever is in your wallet, however you're using that wallet is what is in your heart. So it's a confession of the heart of that country or the heart of that church. 
The Antichrist has always sneaked in when the deceit of man's system of greed corners itself, when his rudeness of selfish rules of economy has finally imprisoned him. And that's kind of where we're living. Just as greed marks the foreheads of unbelievers, so does giving mark the hearts of true and dwell Christians. Just a few weeks ago, uh, a uh, CPA here in town and I were talking, and uh, she had a client who moved here from Europe. And the client said to her, she is having a real hard time adjusting to the American system. And so she asked her, well, what system are you used to? And she's grandma age. And she said, in Europe, we have been using a system where we don't use coins or paper. We just walk up to the cash register and we either give them our number or they scan it. And she says, I have a chip in my hand. I am speaking to you the truth. She says, I have a chip in my hand and I just lay my hand in front of the scanner. And it does all the banking right there on the spot and I grab my groceries and go. She said, I can walk into a hospital in Europe and I just lay my hand on the scanner and I get immediate medical care. I don't stand in line. Well, to this financial gal, that was a bit of a shock that the system is already in place in certain parts of the world. Americans are going to call it a conspiracy. That is a convenient little box that we carry around with us when we hear strange things going on in the world. We're like, yeah, right. It's like the little pink pill in Europe. Yeah, right. We can kill our children without government permission. All right. That's how we were about the issue of abortion. Yeah, right. That'll never happen here. Do you know that Europe is always 20 years ahead of us? Just always remember that. Yes, it is shortening. But it has been a standard policy in international doctrines, if you want to call it that, is that Europe has always been 20 years ahead of us. So when the churches start closing over there, they're going to close over here within 20 years. That window opens a lot sooner nowadays because technology is speeding everything up. So I just gave you three pieces today that will completely mess with every community in America within the next couple of years. Those of you who do have televisions and you watch television, I want you to watch for one thing this week. When you see a commercial, just look to see if they put a little icon in the upper right-hand corner of that commercial that says that you can do Apple Pay. It's a little apple, and then the word pay. You want to know what Apple Pay is? On the smartphones, mine does it too, Android's does it too. It's just that Google hasn't released it to America yet. They're doing this in Europe already, and it's the very system the lady's talking about. 
Apple's the first to introduce it to America. They're on the cutting edge for America. And what you do is your thumbprint is registered in your phone. So you can walk through and just literally do that over these machines at the airport, in grocery stores. It doesn't pick up your thumbprint because you've got to turn on your phone, get to the thumbprint image and blah, blah, blah. It is in the chip. You know this thing that's going on around America where people are running, you're walking by and they're scanning your phone and they're taking your banking information and they're, you know, doing all this, this, this privacy fraudulent stuff, you know, whatever. It's a little machine that is exactly like that's at the grocery stores. It's a little machine that is in the airports now. It's a little machine that is, that is scanning your body as you're go, going through security. That's what it is. They've got one this size. And they just walk by you and they just do one of these numbers. And it is scanning, gathering all your data within two seconds. Two seconds taking every ounce of data on your phone. That's what it is. It's in America. They're telling you to buy, which is what I've got on the back of my phone. They're telling you to buy products to cover your phone so that cannot happen. They're telling you to buy credit card slips that have this stuff on it so that you don't get stolen from and digital technology. Well, see, your average American stupid, they don't even know what's going on around them. There's technology so far advanced around you, it'd mess with your mind if, if we told you what's going on, so they don't tell you until they come out with an app you can use to never worry about your wallet again. The chip in the hand thing was an experiment in Europe. They're not going with that. It'll be far more sophisticated than that. Can you imagine walking through a scanner and literally the DNA is picked up on your body? Now we're talking the type of technology that is foolproof. Not a chip that could be cut out. Ah, it's conspiracy. I'm sorry, I just lined all you guys. But don't forget to check the commercials this week. Because the technology they are introducing is way beyond anything we've ever seen before in America. Well, then when we come to talk about these principles in the Antichrist, then you can start actually putting the pieces together. Why in the world would the Antichrist want that technology? Real question. You can run, but you can't hide. Do you know you have the option right now of turning on your locator on your phone or not? Some of you have your locators on, and I can find you. I can find you by just knowing your number. I actually have, supposedly, according to the research guy, I have the smartest phone in the world today. This particular one. It listens to me all day long. We were driving down the road yesterday, and I mentioned uh, that uh, Missouri has more private helicopters 
uh, in that state than any state in the United States. My phone picked it up and went and looked up helicopters and found me an article to verify what I was saying. It's listening to me 24 hours a day. Because Google has a new system that it backs up my voice tone, it backs up my voice patterns, it backs up my verbiage I use, it backs up a dictionary, it backs up my, my uh, movement of my thumbs on my phone. All that is in a storage. They can find my pattern anywhere in the world, no matter what phone I use. That technology is being used right now. What's up, Turbo? Is what the technology is that I use if I want to speak to my phone directly and have a conversation with my phone. So, the Antichrist does have his reasons for certain things that are developing under our nose in regard to the whole issue of money. The third principle here is to activate thankful heart. God wants us to be thankful for times when we're actually not living in prosperity. He wants us to be thankful for when we actually are living in prosperity. Paul said, I have learned to abase and abound. Thankful either way. Principle three. Scripture, 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, You will be enriched in everything for all liberty, which, which through us is producing uh, thanksgiving to God. Number four is um, the more we give, the more potential we actually have to give. And God knows that. So that's a very powerful principle for him. Short, cheat givers, God can't use very often because... They short sheet you. They just give a little. I just, well, I know I'm supposed to give 10%. I'll give eight. This, this. The reason why a number was given to us because we're cheaters. But someone who just gives abundantly and just constantly stretching the borders of God, God doesn't have to give them laws and rules to give. He just knows they're an abundant giver. But those who cheat God have to be given numbers and laws. That's why you see this in Scripture. So does God have anything to say about the world's greeting political plan of economy? I think so. Without question, he does, and he has always had something to say about mankind supporting the Antichrist system of debt mentality and greed investments. But when it comes to getting this mark of the beast, when you were required to go in and get your DNA tested through the banking system, your doctor, medical doctor, should be asking you now if you have a gun, if you own a gun. That should be happening right now in this town. Your medical doctor is required through this new Obamacare to ask you if you own a gun. What does that have to do with my cold? If you have been asked some weird questions by your doctor and you're a little surprised, you shouldn't be surprised because it is the best way to gather data from the people is when they're in need, they'll just rattle off this information to you. They put it in your file, which goes online, of course, and it is filed to who owns the guns. 
You see, the system of the Antichrist is covert to most people. The system for me is very overt. So then number four is broadens the potential of givers. This is the other part of what we are sharing. The scripture actually is, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And it goes on to communicate to us is that there's this, this independent attitude on how I'm going to handle my funds and, and make sure God doesn't think I'm robbing him. And there's this juggling of the affairs of your wallet. Instead of just going, I'm going to give when God tells me to give. 2%, 20%, whatever. That's where he wants you. He doesn't want to use the laws on you. But he's saying, here's how the guideline works if you're robbing me. That's what we need to be thinking. Here's our identity statement for today. God's plan of economy cannot be explained by man or his rules of engagement. It is my prayer that both you and I find it impossible to respond to these simple principles with a casual shrug of shoulders. I desire that these writings will challenge and change the lives of each reader. At the same time, I hope these works are imperiling any lifestyle that disregards God's will as man's supreme ruler or measuring stick and cause an encounter resulting in partaking in God's perfect plan of economy. In other words, as we see these life principles, we engage in these life principles that it digs down deep and really uh, does the opposite of shrugging, shrugging our shoulders and we really wrestle through with, how does this affect me? This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.